हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज कथक का चक्कर माय नेम इज प्रमित एंड दिस प्लेस इज डिजाइन टू बी अ सेंट्रल प्लेटफॉर्म to bring conversations with kathakars across the globe i think i was sharing i was sharing screen for some reason but yeah so oh, i got to hit continue oh. there we go okay. okay awesome so today i have with me sharad moraga sharad di is a kathak dancer choreographer and educator she's currently the artistic director of the trace das institute she began dancing at the age of 9 but it still wasn't her serendipitous meeting with pandit chitesh das ji that she found her calling four years after beginning her study with pandit chitesh das she joined his company and was a principal dancer in his original works from 96 to 2016 some of these seminal productions include darbar panchajati subali sugreev sampurnam india jazz productions sita haran yatra and shiva in 2002 she had a ganda bandhan ceremony in kolkata and performed her first two hour solo concert Since then she has toured as a solo artist throughout the US and India. She has performed in many prestigious venues and festivals around the world. The San Francisco Chronicle wrote of her performance at the International Kathak Festival at YBCA. Thursday night's triumph belonged to Charlotte Moraga. She had technical virtuosity, but more importantly she has intention and intelligence that shapes every step. Also in 2002 she became the inaugural director of the Chitesh Das Youth Company. She is committed to developing and nurturing the next generation of Kathak artists. She has created choreography for the CDYC for almost two decades. In 2018, in her Guru's birthplace of Kolkata, India, Charlotte received the Anugami for her dedication to her Guru and his legacy. In 2007, she received a Shenzhen Performing Arts Fellowship, which helped her to create original work in collaborations with tap dancer Chloe Arnold and Sangam at. At the when the Chitesh Das India Jazz Productions, her performing diaspora residency at Counterpulse in 2009 helped her to create original work based on a 12th century Sufi poem with saxophone artist Prashant Radhakrishnan. In 2018, her choreography to music composed by Ritesh Dasji uh, premiered at the War Memorial Opera House. at for the San Francisco Ethnic Dance Festival to critical acclaim and in 2019 her work Aranya Devi premiered at the SF Ethnic Dance Festival at Zellerbach Hall she is currently collaborating with musician Alam Khan and scenic designer Matthew Antaki in a New York month in in a new in a new work Mantram set to premiere at ODC Theater uh, October 15 16 and 17 the short film Agni directed by Alka Raghuram with music by Alam Khan was conceived and choreographed in 2020 by Moraga and recently won the award for the best mini art and fashion film for the I Hollywood Film Festival June 21 in addition to training the next generation in the legacy of Pandit Chitesh ji Moraga is committed to creating new work in Kathak that resonates with in the moment Charlotte how are you I'm good. Thank you. How are you, Pramit? I'm good and I realized that as as a part of looking up like the work you're doing, I actually came across your work in the diaspora residency because there's an interview from of you from 2009 where you talk about some stuff. So I made some notes from there. Oh, wonderful. So, wonderful. Yeah. And I guess But yeah, good. You're doing your research. <laughs> yes, I guess it's interesting like uh, with research it's like Uh, I want to do a uh, like some. Sometimes you end up reading too much about the person, 
and mm-hmm. i often sometimes i i read up too much and then you start idolizing the person and when you meet them you're like and then you kind of get a little nervous so it's a it's a bit of a balance like for me i want to know too i want to know a little bit but my guests are always so impressive i know that if i learn too much i'm going to i'm going to be too nervous in the interviews as well so it's been a interesting thing for me that so, is it <laughs> so yeah i guess to start off with uh, let i want to talk about mantram since it's coming out in october and uh, yeah it's going uh, and so could you tell us a little bit about that yeah i mantram is um is a work in progress currently set to premiere as you said in just um 6 weeks from now mid october um and we were actually all set to premiere this last year 2020 october but um because of covid we had to push it back a year so this project has been in i guess some you would say incubation for a long time um i think i had uh our my first rehearsals with the dancers in january of 2020 and then literally a month and a little over a month two months later we were a month and a half we were um all sheltering in place um in so called lockdown and only communicating <laughs> over social media and that sort of thing so um this project has gone through a lot of starts and stops and it started actually when i did a solo in 2018 um at z space in san francisco and i had the extreme honor and privilege of having pandit swapan choudhury um uh play tabla at that concert i wanted to do um a vandana that was a little different that was based you know a vandana is, as you know it's it's the beginning of the solo when you're when you're a solo and you're invoking a particular god or goddess or a feeling and i wanted to be a little more abstract and just kind of really focus on vibration and so um i actually created a a, a 10 minute sort of vandana based on mantram on the gayatri mantram and so um i loved it so much because i didn't start on stage uh the theater had um has it's it's a, is a a theater where the stage is is flat and the seating is bleacher style so the seating goes up oh okay so, I actually started the dance so it was you know in in the dark behind up on the top level of the bleachers behind the audience and I started really focusing on the heel sound of our footwork diga 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 and this uh and the audience was just like where's that coming from and people in the audience they turned around they were like where, where am I supposed to be looking so it was really quite uh startling and surprising and um and i used the stairs to get up into the seating or were wooden and so they had this incredible resonance they had this incredible vibration so wow. i would go down i would dance down the stairs and up the stairs and using the stairs to create sort of vibration and sound and then that's how i started my dance and then it ended and i made my way to the stage and just had more of a traditional kind of solo situation for the next hour and a half but i loved that so much it was an experiment and i just thought i really need to do something with this 
And so 18, 19, 20, 12. So this is like three or four years in the making, <laughs> three or four years in the making. <laughs> yes. Um, just so I understand this. So as you're coming down the stairs, you're keeping a tal and a rhythm while doing it. So you have kind of timing your steps as you're coming down the stairs yeah. and you're wearing the footwork this whole time. Yeah. Well, um, so using the Gayatri Mantram as the lahera. Okay. So it's the laya, it's the laya, right? The, mm -hmm. the Gayatri Mantam, the repetition of it, you know, 108 times, like just reciting it over and over again, You literally using it as the nagma okay. was how we kept the laya. Mm. And so I guess you would say like on a ghost mic, I had my youth company reciting the, the Gayatri Mantram. I also was reciting it on a, a lapel mic and using that as sort of the lahera and then the feet as as the voice as the punctuation and the voice and invoking that um sort of um otherworldliness hmm. was yeah it was very interesting and i i just loved exploring that idea of vibration and resonance because when we talk about bij mantram right we talk about um um you know, in the spiritual tradition, the guru gives you a bowl or, you know, uh, that you focus on or word that that you focus on and, you know, you repeat it over and over and over again. And that leads you to transformation. But it's not the word, you know, um, Valmiki saying Mara, 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 Mara until he could say Ram. Mm -hmm. It's not the word. It's the vibration mm -hmm. that is transformative. Okay. And it's the, it's the single thing that you're focusing on so deeply, you go deep into it and it transforms you, it becomes mm -hmm. you, you become it, and there's no boundaries anymore. So that idea of that vibration and that singular focus was very compelling to me. And I really wanted to explore that. Mm -hmm. So that was the original seeds, <laughs> beach of mantram. Give <laughs> me a second, but that was wonderfully done. <laughs> um and so then um this work because it is really a little bit out of the box in mm -hmm. terms of the tradition you know usually we're dancing to um you know uh lahera nagma played by surod sarangi and then you know tabla and then we're dancing these bowls and that sort of thing or mm -hmm. we're storytelling or we're doing tumni to a song mm. you know we, we, we've got these these three aspects of the dance that pretty much is our tradition mm -hmm. um but i sort of I, I really wanted to explore outside that box okay and so i i got literal and figurative at the same time and i thought why not create these boxes so i i wanted to work with a um with Matthew Antucky, who's a brilliant lighting and scenic designer. Okay. And also um, I wanted to work with a, a traditional artist, but someone who also could go to a more contemporary place. So mm. Alam Khan is a brilliant uh, Sorotis, as you know, not only is he the son and disciple of Ustad Ali Akbar Khan Saab, who here in the San Francisco Bay Area is like the godfather of all Indian classical music and dance pretty much. 
he brought my Guruji and so many great artists like Zakir, uh, Zakir Hussain, Bandar Shobhan so many great artists came here as a result of Khansab establishing a school here over 50 years ago. Um, so it's like half a century, like oh, really a century of laying the groundwork of, of classical Indian dance music here in the Bay Area, which makes it a very rich, very rich environment. Right. So so I did want to explore something a little bit outside the box. And Alam Khan seemed like the perfect person because he's deeply trained in the tradition, just like, uh, you know, similar to I am also. But he wanted to do something a little more contemporary. And he has um, he is a product of his experience. He grew up in California in Marin County. So he was exposed to contemporary Western music, hip hop music, and mm -hmm. and he's done a lot of collaboration with hip hop artists. And and I've heard some of his music and it sounded very cinematic to me. And I wanted to do something very cinematic. So a score, I wanted some music that sounded cinematic that mm -hmm. took you through a beginning of a movie, like a movie to the end of the movie that had a trajectory and a climax and really told a story, but without doing literal uh, gut pow or the storytelling that we do. Oh. So, so this, um, so this, that, that's, that's how, how the piece was conceptualized and vibration and resonance, uh, resonance, meaning the the sound of the feet, the sound of the voice, the sound of the music, but not only that, but what resonates with me, with you, with everyone right now in our society, in the place that we are geographically, and the place that we are in our bodies physically, in the place that we are in our minds and spiritually, we're all in a very different place. A lot has happened in the past year and a half. Right. So um, so the original the piece has changed a lot because it really is about responding to this moment in time. Um, so it's 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 there's a lot of structure to it. Part of the structure is the Mahapanchabhuta. Right. So what is that? So Brahman, Brahman, that divine force, mm -hmm. that divine force. Right. Um, Akasha, the, the space or the, the air, air. Vayu, wind, the movement of that air. From, from Vayu, you have um, fire, Agni. And then from that is Appa, water. And then from that is Prithivi, earth. So um, we have um, a particular pranam that Guruji had developed um, his, his, in his school. And that pranam starts with um, shlok. It starts with the Guru shlok. And then it um, goes into this um, Om Brahman Akasha Vayu Teja then into yato hasto stato drishti stato drishti that's the the shlok that in that that particular shlok that mm. tells about how we dance right so this this panchabhuta um has always been there on that level 
Mm-hmm. And um, it's a very centering, grounding thing, and it totally integrates you in, in mind, body, and spirit. And um, so taking that as the structure, there's basically six segments of it. It's about a 45-minute long piece. Mm-hmm. And each of the segments is about seven minutes. And so really exploring what is the essence of that Brahman, you know, what is the essence? So Brahman, so, you know, like... Um, you know, in the Western world here where I am in America, particularly in California, in yoga has almost appropriated Om and everyone, as you know, they think, oh, Om is, you know, yeah, it's Hindu, it's, it's ancient symbol, it's, it's associated with peace, but actually it's not, you know, mm-hmm. Om, Om, if you look at that, the, the, the shape of it, that represents the, the individual, right, that the, the um, dreams, state, the unconscious state and the conscious state, the three states of the individual. And then you have that dot up in the corner that represents the Turiya state, which is, which is, some people say the divine state or the unknowable and the unreachable. And then you have that, that curve, which is Maya, you know, the illusion, and it separates us as individuals from the knowable, from from actualization, from realization, from that 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 that's that state, right? That divine state. What is Maya? Maya isn't illusion in the sense that oh, it's not real. That could be a beautiful fantasy, right? Maya is things that distract us. It's a everyday materialistic world that can really distract us from doing what it is that makes us transform and become our best selves right and whatever that is for 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 anyone so that's kind of what maya is so so brahman that brahman is about reaching that turiya state so for us as dancers when we think what is our mantram it's not really these sanskrit shlokas it's as I went, when we first uh, signed on and, and uh, you were talking about that car, you were talking about the sound of the feet, right? Well, that's our mantra. That's it. That's what we do it every day. We do it in every different thal. We do it in every different speed. We do it in, we do it on holidays. We do it all the time. It's mm-hmm. our mantra. It's something that is a vibration which transforms us. It lets us achieve this ultimate joy, which is what we as dancers are, are searching for. And that literally transforms us and, and can make us become our best selves right? And sharing that joy with others is also what it's like Lakshmi's pot. It's what it's what keeps us going and and keeps us going and going and going with that mantra. So it's this cycle, right? So that whole first section Brahman is really just only the sound of the feet on these resonant boxes. So we've built these um, uh, five boxes, which represent the five Panchabhuta, the five Mahapanchabhuta. Okay. And these five boxes are basically used throughout the, with throughout Mantram Mm -hmm. to create structure and to create um, set, to create sound, to create um, a visual focus point. Um, so it, it, in the different, in Brahman, those boxes, mm. 
are are the mantram. It's just feet. There's mm. no there's no music. There's no music. It's just feet on these resonant boxes creating vibrations. So what's a resonant box? So literally you you know like a wooden, <laughs> wooden oh. box. Okay. It has it has four sides. Okay. It has a top and you know they're they're from, you know, there are five different sizes. These boxes are actually, um, well, I don't want to give too much away, yeah. but, but, but yeah, cause, cause you have to see it and I want yes. you to be surprised. <laughs> yes. So on that note, Charlotte, like, do we have to be in San Francisco to see it or is it, is there a live stream that's going to be available or is there, we can we buy an online ticket? What's the deal with that? That, I'm glad you asked that. Um, it, it actually is premiering live in San Francisco at mm. ODC Theater, but the ODC Theater, like everyone else, has had to pivot, and so we're we're a home company there. So all of the home companies, everything that is being presented, is also being recorded to lot to stream. Okay. Because um, there are still, as you know, there's there's still that uncertainty. So there's some people who still are not comfortable going into the theater. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so for whatever reason, but that's very um, good news for people who are in other parts of the world, right? Mm -hmm. Because then they can they can buy a ticket and they have access to the live streaming to the streaming. Right. So where would they have to go to buy the ticket? Like, is it at the? Uh -huh. Well, they they could go to ODC. It's literally the letters ODC Theater okay. in San Francisco. It's probably on their website. You could also, if you go to Chitresh Das Institute's website, mm -hmm. um, you know, chitreshdasinstitute.org, mm -hmm. uh, we have ticket information there as well, um, and our social media. Awesome. Okay. And... Um... On that note, um, and Charity, again, yeah, this is a, an upcoming work, so I understand uh, there are things you may or may not be able to really reveal, but I'm very curious. So we talked about like the concept and the vision of vibrations, and we talked about the Panchabhuti. Now, as a choreographer, as an artistic director, how do those abstract? Uh, how do you take those concepts and you take and you trans and you and how do you take them and cascade down to your dancers, to your students, to your kathakas, and how does dance emerge out of that? I guess more of a general question for me, but we talked about the idea of it. How does that translate into movements for you? Yeah. So um, there are six sections. So as the piece progresses, um, the configuration of the boxes and the purpose of the boxes change, just like in life, you know, as, as we move through life, um, the reason we do things changes, right? And so, um, and and our our purpose changes, um, and things, the meaning of things become either more meaningful or less meaningful. And this is also about um, shedding. It's about letting go of things that don't serve us anymore. So this really is an abstract piece. It's not a story in the sense that in the traditional sense where you pull the gungat and you lift it and you're looking for Krishna or you're you know chasing a deer. All these kinds of things. It's very abstract, but it is a story. Um, in 2019, I did a, a work on um, Amrita Devi. It was called Aranyakatha, uh, the story of the forest. And so, you know, um, the and the climate change is something that is is just really it's 
it's insane how 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 incredibly prevalent prominent the effects of climate change are right now uh no matter where you in the world here in california the fires are so extreme that we have just become used to having a season of needing even before COVID, needing to wear a mask so we could breathe you know um on some days uh one day i woke up and you know and it, the sun was fluorescent orange and by noon it was dark because of the forest fires so this is happening now every year and every year it's getting worse i mean the virgin forests in finland and russia are are being burned in 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 the uh in, in uh, the north pole like how is it possible to have forest fires in these areas right so our world is changing quickly and we we it's not about like oh telling people what to do it's not about saying oh we can't deny climate change anymore it's about um it's it's about speaking to the moment and and an emotional uh, reaction to how that is affecting us right so as you saw if you saw the short uh film agni uh that is four minutes of the music from the um from the eight minute section of Agni and Mantram. So um, it's not the same choreography because the film was edited by a filmmaker who's brilliant, um, but it's the music is four minutes from that. So that idea, if you saw that, that film, that, that really speaks to what is happening with the forest fires in, around the world and particularly affecting us here in the Bay in California. Um, and then, for for upa for uh water it it again these things they have like fire and water and earth and and wind these are things that are they are on a microcosm they're within us and on a macrocosm they make up the universe uh the sun is fire you know this is all here so they inherently have a creation aspect life force aspect right we need water we're 75 percent water fire fire is not is is destructive but it also creates fertile ground for new growth like shiva right destroyed to create new creation yeah so and and same thing so these these powers they have this incredible potential for destruction but also creation and sustaining life so in water again so the motif is um it you really feel it you really feel it you kind of feel this deluge like okay water's good especially coming after fire we need the water the water's putting out the fire it's great but then how much is too much you know it becomes a deluge and now we've got this flooding here right we've got the hurricanes we've got the monsoons they're getting worse the tropical storms are getting worse currents are changing everything's changing so quickly the the Gunga tree is melting, the glaciers are melting. And so our earth, mother earth, our ultimate mother is literally, she's not talking to us, she's screaming at us. <laughs> you know, so you feel this delusion up the section that is water and the movement, how you were asking, like, how do I determine the movement? So uh, the movement, the dancers are moving like like jellyfish like jellyfish in the ocean like this very sort of like you know how jellyfish move it's they kind of like 
they billow out and then they sort of collapse. Sort of billow out and collapse. It's a very sustained movement. And you think, okay, jellyfish. So the whole world is changing, right? Animals, there's mass extinctions going on right now. Which animals are going to survive? I don't have my money on humans. I have my money on jellyfish. <laughs> I have my money on the cockroaches. <laughs> I have money on these animals who have been here for billions of millions of years, you know. So, um, so, but you know, the thing is, is that we are animals. We are animals too, right? So, so we are part. People try, try say that. Oh. Let's make a piece of let's let's talk about or let's explore the interdependence of humans and animals in nature. Well, we are nature. We are animals. We are we try to pretend that we're separate. We try to pretend we live in our concrete houses and it doesn't affect us. But but it, we're part of it. Why are we all, it's, oh, I can't wait to get out in nature. Oh, I can't wait to go for a walk. Oh, I really enjoy watching the birds in the garden. I Oh, I want to go to Hawaii. Where do we want to go? We want to go out when we go on vacation. We want to go to Hawaii or the Himalayas or some beautiful natural environment, right? And nature. We may stay in our clean, concrete little cubicles, <laughs> but but we we are we recognize we ultimately feel and need to be a part of it and we are a part of it so so this this um when we get to earth the section that is earth which is the last section of mantram um i think that exchange between animals and humans and humans becoming more animal like and animals becoming more human like is 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 more prevalent in that section so there is kind of an evolution going throughout the piece right as we go through all these sort of feeling these visceral reactions to what's happening right now in our environments as a result of climate change and um um and the heightened emotional um emotional lives that we all have as a result of um, social justice that is long time coming and finally hopefully steps taking steps forward um, you know more steps forward so I think that this piece is really it's very emotional but it's not a scripted storyline it's not a traditional story where you literally act out a story when we did Aranya Kata in 2019 we acted out the story of Amrita Devi who um, the soldiers were coming to the village in um, in Rajasthan to chop down the trees to make ash so the Maharaja could build a new castle, right? And so this the village, they're Bishnoi, they, they're like, no, you can't take our trees. These are our life. These are our ancestors. This is our, this is our food. This is our water. This is our children. This feeds us. This is keeping the soil here. This is everything. And um, the soldier said, well, no, the Maharaja wants these trees cut down, so we're going to cut them down. So so Amrita Devi and the, the villagers, they hug the trees, the women hug the trees. And so, and um, long story short, it did not stop them. There was a massacre. The soldiers actually cut through the people, massacred supposedly 363 uh, villagers. And when the Maharaja found out this happened, he was actually 
he wasn't like, oh, 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 the villain, you know, he was actually, he was like, oh my God, what have I done? So it's one of those instances in history where the, the this person of incredible power and influence mm -hmm. did a bad thing, which they always do, <laughs> and, and said, okay, wait a minute, this is wrong, you know? And uh, he decreed from that day forward that there would be no felling of any green trees in that area ever again. And so that stood for many, many years, still stands today. And this became like a rallying call, like the the um, to the Chipko movement. The Chipko mm. movement, you've heard of the Chipko movement? Yeah, it started in in um, in in northern India in the 70s. Uh, you know, it's environmental movement, and the Chipko movement was the um, was the inspiration for worldwide environmental movements like Greenpeace. Oh, right? I didn't know that. Yeah, a lot of their practices, they followed the same non-violence resistant practices, which um, Gandhi also did. You know, uh, Martin Luther King uh, learned how to do a non-violent practice by reading Gandhi, studying yeah. Gandhi. Mm -hmm. um, same thing, the American transcendentalist Thoreau did the same thing by, by um, you know, it, it's, it all goes back to India. Okay. It all, it all goes back to India. So mm. we wanted to tell that story because a lot of people call, you know, Cal we live in California and people say there's a lot of hippies here and they call them tree huggers. And we want to say, well, you know, actually the original tree huggers are from India and they're women and they're not hippies and they're trying to, you know, fight for, for social justice and okay. access to resources for mm. their families. So mm. it's not about some hippies just deciding they want to tell you what to do. So we wanted to sort of bring like to that story mm. and that really was storytelling that was a traditional gut how we tell the story using our hustak our abhinaya and and song in the traditional way this is mantram is storytelling but it's much much mm. very abstract very abstract yeah charlotte i guess when you said because when uh, when you said like the mantram is your annual student showcase when you think of student showcase you know you you envision a sh showcase in your mind okay if it's a student showcase if you're gonna have beginners you're gonna have intermediates you're gonna have their own pieces this is very different than what i usually hear from what well, a showcase. this is not a student showcase oh I mean, then i have it wrong then but this, yeah this this is um so we did do okay so so let me back up a little bit. Go so for, it, go for, for it. this particular piece, I have five excellent, amazing, well-trained dancers. Five, five, actually six. Um, but so let me back up a little bit because um, this is something that we do do. So we have, as you know, we have a Katak Training Institute based on the pedagogy of Pandit Chitra Shas, the Chitra Shas Institute. We have, you know, close to 200 students and we have a school show every year. And so when I did Aranyakata for the Zellerbach stage, that was um, a CDI, like advanced dancers and the youth company. So it was about 15 dancers. But we also did a, an evening length school show based on uh, Aranyakata. I know it can be very confusing where where it's a it's different it incorporates all of the different levels all the way and so so for our virtual so we had to pivot to so we did a virtual showcase and um our last school show was based on the maha panchabutta it wasn't called mantram it was called the panchabutta so it's a similar um i can see how you would be confused 
but um, this uh, is called Mantram, so it is different than the school show, and it is uh, it is a professional piece. It's really meant for the theatrical stage, and there's only six dancers, and these dancers are amazing. I uh, I feel so inspired working with them, and you had mentioned like how do you dictate the movement? Well. I really choreograph in rehearsal. I don't choreograph in my head um, or write it down. I might get inspired by something, my life, by you know, by walking, by nature, by song, and I might have ideas, but I can only explore it in the studio with dancers, on dancers, or on myself. And I think that that goes back to my training. Um, Guruji would often say to me, like in the middle of class, like company class or advanced class, he would mm -hmm. say, um, Charlotte, choreograph these tea highs or Charlotte, just like right there. Like right now, on the spot. What do you mean on the spot? And like uh, you you have heard of my, my Guruji was like someone you did not like, you didn't say, oh no, I can't. <laughs> you, you just did it. <laughs> so I would just do it. I would just do it. I wouldn't like get even have any time to be like intimidated or scared. And sometimes it turned out like I, I, he liked it or I even surprised myself. And sometimes it didn't work out so well, but it, it was always spontaneous. And I think that that's just a kind of a natural way for me to work, mm -hmm. um, is to be in the moment and, um, and, and, and that spontaneity. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that attracted me to Katak in the first place mm -hmm. is that idea of upaj, of improvisation, of responding to the moment, responding mm -hmm. to a movement, responding to the music, responding to, uh, whatever is in the environment at the time. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Now that makes sense. And yes, since you talked about Agniya, I had seen that I didn't have a, I, I think I, I went, I just, I just watched it. I didn't know what the background behind it, but the things I did pick up with now that now it makes sense. You were talking about global warming and nature, but I, what I did pick up is like a sense of urgency and like, mm -hmm. you know, building up the suspense, you know, there's something's wrong here. Yeah. And now that you say it's global warming. And so now it all adds up for me. Like, okay, fine. Now I understand what, I was seeing and why why there was a sense of urgency and the suspense and the build up and why 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 would there was a sense of agitation yeah. and discomfort so now that perfectly makes sense so yeah, yeah. thank you for explaining that yeah our world is on fire mm -hmm. literally okay. yeah <laughs> uh, so I guess Charlie I guess my so the next thing I want to ask you is uh just wanted to go uh, stay on nature for a bit because it look uh, I understand like you talked about all the way from the 70s go to now global warming um your connection with nature and dance has that been like your life has that been something that has informed your dance practice towards life or how has that been playing out for you yeah i mean i think it's always been there um i think again that's that's how i ended up um becoming a disciple of my guruji because he also is kind of like um a yogi in that sense of he really connected with nature and would also you know bring that um you know that 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 sort of uh sadhu like uh in 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 the forest in nature um you know just with his intense reyas and practice he was he had that sort of way that looked towards that that sort of uh perspective of 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 what the practice was about. 
Um, but I think it also comes from my childhood. I grew up in Miami, Florida. Um, and my dad uh, <clears throat> was a very much an outdoorsman. He came from um, a kind of an upper class family. Um, his cousin is actually Buzz Aldrin, the sec the first second guy to walk on the moon. So, <laughs> so his family had high expectations of him. And so he ended up um, becoming an engineer. But I think he told me that he always wanted to be a forest ranger. And um, so he ended up um, making money as an engineer, and he would spend that money on a lot of toys to enjoy the outdoors. So I grew up in Miami, so he had boats. So he had, you know, a small yacht, he had a ski boat, he had an airboat. So we would always go out on the water on the weekends. Um, we would go over to the Bahamas, we would go to the Everglades. So I spent a lot of time in nature. He taught me actually how to hunt deer, which came mm -hmm. in really handy when I was playing Ram or Lakshman in Ramayana. <laughs> so is that like rifle or bow hunting? Uh, bow hunting. Oh, damn. Bow hunting, but with, I like with the compound bow or the recurve? No, like the old fashioned. Ooh. Old fashioned. Bow. All right. <laughs> bow. Okay. Sorry. This was a while ago. This nice. was called a while ago. Pretty cool. I um, won't reveal my age, but it was a long time ago. <laughs> and um, I, and actually, he did teach me how to shoot a gun too. So mm -hmm. when, when I um, when Guruji was restaging Gold Rush, he had he did this production called Gold Rush, was was which was about a a miner because uh, when he because he had that as a metaphor for him because he struck gold when he came to California. Mm -hmm. he felt like, he felt the the eternal like opportunity and optimism that was here during that time, and so he did um, a uh, a long a long dance drama on the gold rush. So his father did a lot of dance dramas. So he has done many 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 dance dramas, hmm. and um, so he did a dance drama on the gold rush. And there's one scene that are gunfighters, so it's gunfighters. So when I played that scene it came in really handy because i knew exactly because my dad actually i don't know how we got on this topic but my dad actually was the florida state quick draw champion okay <laughs> so so i think uh so there's things that are associated with nature i mean mm -hmm. you say what does that have to do with nature well it has to do with everything actually my dad was a great conservationist mm -hmm. because he spent so much time in nature he wanted nature to be preserved uh, so anyway, it goes back to my childhood. And then mm -hmm. Guruji also was very connected to, to that motif and mm -hmm. the, the, those ideals. Understood. Yeah, so the gold rush is mentioned in uh, Sarah Murelji's book. And I think uh, uh -huh. there's, there's a small video of Chitrishaji kind of dressed up in Western. Is that the one where he's dressed up in Western attire and he's kind of going in there? Or is yeah, that another he's planning one? for gold. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. He's so the, overalls. He's wearing overalls. Mm, yes. Like I, I, <laughs> yes. Because I was trying to. Yeah, yes, I, exactly. Because I didn't want to mess it up. Because that's exactly what I've seen. But it seems so unreal to see him in that. I'm like, did I actually imagine, imagine that, or did I actually see that? But yes, that's the one I've seen. <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. That, and, that's the prospector scene, so and that's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant because he uses all the traditional abhinaya, mm -hmm. but he's showing. A, a gold miner, someone panning for gold, and okay. it's just—it's brilliant. <laughs> and that's my segue into the next one, because in Sarah Morelli, these books, there's a set, there's a section about you, where they talk about your solo performance, and I wanted to know the background of the story, because what was in this section is that while you're doing your solo performances, that the musicians who were playing stopped to listen to your 
stop to hear stop to just watch you and they stop playing for a second so can you take us back to that moment and what was happening there oh my gosh i can't remember <laughs> i mean here's the thing i mean this was in 2002 and i had been dancing for 10 years and i literally um at that time i was also a teacher of um regular school i mean i i, I actually teach um dance and art in the in the San Francisco Unified School District so i teach in the schools and um and i took a sabbatical just so i could work toward my solo and i spent every day with guruji and sometimes it wasn't dancing sometimes it was shopping or cooking or gardening or you know or some or traveling somewhere um i spent not every single day but most of the the days i would say six you know five to six days a week um with with him and i was just like really so immersed that my body was trained to the to a level that i my mind didn't even know what it was doing <laughs> i mean it, i know it sounds it sounds uh strange but you know the rayas was um it was back then it was it was a lot and i um <clears throat> i was a dancer from when i came to him actually mm-hmm. I had done musical theater on the East Coast and in Gainesville, Florida and Atlanta and off Broadway in New York and um uh so I I had training from from the age of 9 and um so Pierce so the spins in Gatak were never a problem for me like the first class I had with him I could do triple spins because Pierre Wet from first class yeah and he was excited by that as you can imagine <laughs> he said okay do this he was saying this to the everyone and then Sh- i started Sh- the had a question about this yeah um like detailed question so uh, like from um, anjali ji told me anjali ji told me that the ballet dancers do spins on their toes right and kathakas do it on their heel was that a thing you had to adjust or yeah it was well i had stopped dancing before so um So I was I was uh performing professionally in various things on the east coast of uh the United States um and all the way from my late teens to my early 20s and then in my early 20s I so I had then I met my my husband at that time he was a musician and he was on tour and he lived in San Francisco so I moved out to San Francisco long story short we ended up getting married and having kids so I had stopped dancing actually when I met him So I hadn't been doing ballet for a few years, at least a few years. And so already, you know, that was uh gone. But there there was um you know, once you have done something to a certain level, physically you have achieved a certain level, like that's idea of talim, right? Talim like where you have intense riyas for a period of time in your life. Once you go through that where it's like that's you you eat, breathe and sleep that training. and you it doesn't have to be your whole life it can be a short like 6 months it could be a, a couple years it could be once you've gone through that something happens like literally in your wiring in your brain and physically where it's like in the bank it's in the bank and you can draw from that i'm not saying you don't have to practice after that you do but you don't have to have that same kind of level of intensity right so i had already experienced that before i came to him 
So I knew what it was like to train seriously. I knew yeah. what it was like to practice seriously. I mean, my summers when I was, you know, 18, 17, 18 years old was dance all day from morning to night, you know, and if we, and if I was performing, we would have class every morning of the week, we would in the afternoons and evenings have rehearsals, and then we'd have a show, right, or maybe three shows in a row or five shows in a row or something like that. So, so I was already used to that okay. when I when I came to him. So then I just like plugged into that mode for that year leading up to my solo. And I was just kind of like just absorbing as much as I can. I was at my physical, even a, a peak higher than I was before in my Western dance background. Mm. And so I think I was doing things that my mind didn't even know what I was doing because he had that ability actually to pull out of you things that you never knew you could do. Mm. He really had that ability. He was a brilliant guru and um, and he had an ability to to pull the best out of you and to really challenge you and and, and that's kind of what i don't think i would be 30 years later a gatak dancer if i hadn't learned this art form or come to meet this art form through him because he made you realize things that you would never realized on your own. It truly is that, you know, guru removes darkness, guru, guru gives blood. It truly, truly is that. So he, in the, in the true sense of the world, was a, a bona fide guru. And I feel really privileged and blessed to have um, come across him. I mean, as I, sometimes I used to say it's a blessing and a curse mm -hmm. because I had to do it. And it wasn't my life plan to become a Gatak dancer and choreographer and teacher. It was Oops. not part of my life. Oops. Exactly. <laughs> Oops. It happened. But because I had met such a guru, I had to do it. You know, uh -huh. it just it just it just permeated into my cells. Right. Uh, so uh, um, and so do you remember what what so we, we talked about the preparation from what you did for your solo do you remember what your solo was like what your what and how and how the audience reacted to it um it was kind of i actually to, to be perfectly honest as i was alluding to mm -hmm. before i don't yeah. remember a thing it was two hours long mm -hmm. and it went by and it went by literally in a snap mm -hmm. and i just know i was sweating more than i've ever sweated like i just kept moving for two hours and kept dancing and singing and emoting and showing a pinaya depending on whatever I had trained or whatever I felt from the music or whatever he would recite or whatever I would recite. I mean, the one section that was all was all dependent on me was, of course, his innovation, my Gatak Yoga, which he had innovated. Um, so in a solo, you do, you know, as you know, there's there's specific subgenres that you go through. There's the Vandana, the invocation. Then there's your That, which is like a tuning of the Thought is like a tuning of of the body and and the, the feelings to the music and the audience because a true solo is really a collaboration between the dancer, the musicians, and the audience. There's that play, right? It's not like you're completely blinders on in your own track. You have to listen to the the music. You have to interact with the musicians. You also have to interact with the audience. How are they feeling? Is this going over? If this isn't going over, so well, I need to do something different so I can connect with them, right? As Guruji used to say, audience is God. You, you have to connect with the audience. So 
Um, so in, in that sense, that pot is that tuning into that, that sort of zone. And then you go into your bowl paran, you go into your recitation, you go into composition, you go into the different layers of your chosen tal, you explore the tal, um, and then you might do a tumri or a gut bhao. I think I did, uh, for my tumri, I did mohe panagatape, um, and which is, you know, an old beautiful song. Um, and, um, and for my gut bow, I my gut bow, I did Madan um, Basma, the story of how Madan uh, how Shiva burned Madan to ash, um, and uh, the story of how Shiva came to know Parvati and and spring and the story of spring and all that sort of thing. You know the story, and then. Um, there's the Kathak Yoga section in Guruji's uh, disciples. They have to master this genre. And then, of course, you end with a Tarana or another song or something like that. Um, and you do a Savajavav. And so it's, it's a two hour long process. And um, it, it's, it's, it just went by like that. But the Kathak Yoga section, I was doing it in Chaptal. And um, uh, I had fixed it because I had to sing the nagma and I had to dance. So it was completely and totally fixed. There wasn't any improvisation. The whole rest of my solo was so much improvisation. At one point, Guruji started reciting a shlok, a spring, uh, a, a, no, not a shlok, a kavita, a kavita okay. about springtime <laughs> in the middle of Madan Basma that we had never rehearsed at all <laughs> so i'm just like trying to pick up the words and improvise okay i know that's a flower i know that's a butterfly i'm just trying to improvise and somehow by hook or by crook it it came off it came off <laughs> and uh so so much of that was there was of course there was a structure of course some of it was was very much rehearsed but so much of it was improvised um, so I really, it was a blur. I don't remember. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. And did Guruji give you a heads up like, hey, Sharadji, I'm going to do this in the middle or something or that? No. Just, huh? okay. no. <laughs> Fair. First of all, that's kind of how he trained people. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to change this for you on the day of the show. <laughs> he wouldn't tell you. He's just like, do this, not this. Okay. Uh, but, but also, um, he would like do it, especially if he knew you could handle it or mm. he knew that you would respond to it. He, mm -hmm. he was an incredibly supportive and supportive guru. So he wouldn't mm. do that to people who he felt like weren't ready for it. Like I said, he, he knew what you could do and he would pull it out of you and, mm. and he would, he would always make, you know, allow you to shine. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I do think also he um, he is so much in upaj that he was just feeling it. He probably never even thought I'm going to do this. Mm. He was like hearing the music and Ooh. seeing what was going on in stage or something like that, and he just it just came to him to do it because mm. that's how he he was as a performer also. Mm. So I don't think he probably even planned it. Uh, more of a general question, Charlotte. At what point should a kataka like start to explore stuff out the box how do you how much time do you feel like a dancer should stay in the box understand what the art form is and then begin to explore what is that for you 
You know, that's a really, really good question. Um, um, <clears throat> you know, this idea of what is traditional and what is not traditional is up for, <clears throat> there's nothing written down. This is absolutely traditional. This is not traditional. In some ways, when you are part of an unbroken line from Guru to Shisha that goes back for many, 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 many years mm. and eras, you what is traditional, what is not traditional, what it's probably already been done. I mean, this idea of, you know, dancing on a three by three box, I mean, you've probably heard that there's a there was a courtesan back in the days of Ajit Ali Shah who would dance on a small wooden platform on the tusk of an elephant as the elephant went down the street. That's dancing on the box like we're doing, right? Is that people would say that's not traditional, but it was done, right? So uh, this idea of what is traditional is kind of an interesting thing. I tend to think Guruji was very, very traditional in some ways, but he innovated within tradition because I think um, for if you are an artist, you have to do what you feel is going to, um, is you're going, you have to express yourself and mm. you have to speak to the moment. And in Gatag, because of what I was talking about, how we are really a collab, we are collaborators with musicians, live musicians and audience you have to reach your audience, right? So he wouldn't say, oh, the audiences these days, they like Bollywood, so let's do Bollywood. No, 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 no. He would say, he would, he would not go that route, but he would say, okay, what is the most, most essence of this? What is the most exciting of this? What is people, what are people gonna really relate to this? He would kind of go the other way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so his, you know, he would put, his, what what is what what is different now than 50 years ago turns are faster footwork's faster footwork's more varied turns are more varied he did lots of variations of turns we call it california hustock where your arms are like propellers around your head you know so um innovating within tradition a, ch a chakra is still a chakra but how you do that it's a stepping turn it's a swift turn it's one or the other right mm. So if you're doing a stepping turns and instead of your hands doing party hustuk like Lucknow style or coming in and going straight out Jaipur style, if your hands just go above your head and come down and go above your head and come down, he was inspired by Brian Poitano in 1985 Olympics. He's like, wow, look at that spin in the air. I'm going to do that in Guttuck. Oh. So he's still doing the spins, the stepping turns, but you're doing your arms a different way. Oh, is that what you call the California Joker? Yeah, we call okay. it California. Okay, okay. It's, it's, it's in the book again, so that's why I know. So, uh, so, so this idea of of innovation within tradition hmm. uh, is really what he did. He was a very much a stickler for certain things, like you must wear. It's not katak if you're not wearing kongro, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you know. So nowadays, you know, there's katak dancers dancing without kongro. Does that mm. mean it's not Gatuk anymore? You know, so um, so so if the question is, is what what is tradition? What is not tradition? You can say tradition is what I learned from my guru, mm. but what your guru learned from their guru, they have also done different. They mm. have changed. 
they have either elevated or done away with or changed or mm. nuanced in some way. So tradition is ever evolving. This idea of tradition, the only thing I can say is that if you are part of a traditional legacy, mm -hmm. you are accountable to that community. Mm. Okay. You, it's like having a family, right? You have to be able to communicate with that community what you're doing and why you're doing it and all that you, stuff. Or you may be the bad child and they the community may disagree with you mm. or you may be the good child that does exactly what the community wants with you right but you don't have to relate to that community mm. right you're accountable you're accountable to what your guruji taught you okay so going back to that question of when someone is ready to explore um Guruji was very clear. He was like, you must first master the art form before you can explore it. But, you know, nowadays there's so many people who take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, and they mix it all together. You know, that doesn't really move me. Hmm. This, this it used to be called fusion confusion. Now there, now there, nowadays there is good, there is good fusion. If an artist is deeply, deeply trained in a tradition and they, and they, and they're like trying to communicate with another culture or an, an artist of a different tradition, but they're trying to stay true to who they are and communicate with that person, that's good fusion. That's going to be good fusion. But if you're just trying to like do something new because it's new, it's not going to be good. It's mm. not going to, it's not going to reach, it's not going to is the whole point of dance is to feel to feel joy to share that joy that embodied knowledge with the world mm -hmm. to to transform and to raise awareness of our highest selves and in sometimes our lowest selves the complete navarasa so you go deep into your tradition you learn how to do that first mm -hmm. then you're going to naturally, if you practice, you're naturally going to start doing things different. Mm. You're naturally, if you practice, so if you have a strong practice and you are, you have a strong vocabulary mm. and you're in your practice, you, you just are inspired to do something different and it's going to be true. It's going to be, it's going to be, um, it's going to be authentic. Mm. So, so I think you have to be in a place where you feel like, one you have something to say and two you have a you have a vocabulary you have a medium in which to say it in in a in in a in in a good way because you know you might say okay i'm going to do this chakra here but if you can't do very well chakras it's not going to have any impact no matter what you're meaning to say so your 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 instrument has to be there you have to have the right paints you have to have the right paintbrush you have to have the the right quality instrument you may be an amazing double player but if you have a bad tabla it's no it's going to sound terrible right mm. so your body is an instrument your training is an instrument the practice is all for honing your instrument mm. your instrument has to be there and then your knowledge has to be there and then you have to have something to say then i say go for it okay okay so build the foundation and then from what i understand it's not like you have to do it a certain number of years but it'll just once you have it when once you're ready enough you'll kind of get it understand yourself without having to worry about when it's going to happen. Listen, I, I have I have seen dancers who have danced for 20 years who can't do very much. Mm. I have seen dancers who've danced for 10 years that are brilliant. Mm. So it's not about how long you train. It's about how you train, how deeply you train, what you're giving to it. Mm. Right. I think it also helps if you have a proper guru, you mm. know, if you have someone who has the knowledge. 
uh, it's not, it's, you can't just go learn something off YouTube and say, okay, now I have something. My next question was, you, you talked about like, we're talking about, since we're talking about teaching, Karadi, you've been taught a certain way by your Guruji. And, you know, every, like you said, every, everyone does their own thing or does it differently. So for you, like, how do you, uh, like, you know, you've been taught differently. So uh, some of it is going to carry over and some of it is going to be, you know, Sharad Muraga. So for you, how do you teach different, what have you added to the teaching that your gurus gave to you? And how do you teach in the Tatejas Institute? That is something I'm very curious about. That's a really interesting question. Um, so, um, a lot of things I, I very much carry on that um, my Guruji's teachings, but obviously, like you said, there are there are where each are as individuals bring our own um, experience and background with us. And I think my uh, Western dance training when um, so we started the uh, youth company, his youth company in 2002. Yeah. And by about 2009, we were having a lot of issues with injuries. Uh, it was pretty intense. Uh, these dancers would come in front of Guruji and he was very intense. He was a very, uh, very uh, intense uh, tra train uh, guru and training. And uh, people were getting injured. And so he said, okay, Charlotte, develop, uh, have them stretch, have them stretch. And, mm. and so I developed a, a short sort of routine that focused on um, alignment of making sure that, first of all, posture, how you stand on stage, first of all, is the most important thing, right? Mm. You take the stage, how you stand is important. Okay. You stand with confidence, you stand like a dancer, you could go through the whole concert with your shoulder slump and, and no confidence. No one cares what you're dancing. No one's going to watch you. Right. So how you stand is most important. Okay. So that is not a simple thing. Yeah. You, what is what, where, where are your, so this idea of proprioceptive sense of dancers knowing where their parts of their body are in comparison to other parts of their body mm -hmm. is not articulated in Gata. When Guruji uh, taught, it was like, make this sound, go faster and do this and, you know, do this. And this is the bowl and here's the bowl. And so, so he never articulated like where, like exactly he would demonstrate and he would say right hand out and, but he wouldn't articulate that proprioceptiveness of like where something is in relation. Okay. So proper alignment of the, of the knees, uh, your knees, when your knees bend in Gatak, they should go over your second toe. So we had dancers that knees would go in or knees would go too far out. So there wasn't that proper alignment. So you could get knee injuries as well as you wouldn't have a very nice line, right? And certain cuttings, you wouldn't have a nice line, certain stances. So I developed this uh, routine that is, is stretching, uh, like particularly parts of the body as a dancer, like your hamstrings and your Achilles tendons, these parts of your body as a dancer that get very tight. Because it, Gatak is, is a physical activity, right? And physical fitness, as you know, it's, it's strength, it's stamina, and it's flexibility. We don't think about flexibility as Gatak dancers. But the more range of motion we have in our arms, the nicer we can hold our current, right? If we're tight and our shoulders are up, we're not going to have nice currents. We're not going to have nice body position. So having so flexibility for a gutter dancer means range of motion in your shoulders, in your arms, right? In your also in in your 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 feet mm -hmm. and how how when you move, right? So 
this this series of exercises is for aligning for us building alignment building strength and flexibility and ever since we started doing this um actually we haven't had any injuries that were dance related since we started doing this actually to be perfect like so, so this is like since 2009 or something or yeah yeah Yay, so that's yeah. 11 years yeah nice. um well actually uh yeah pretty much pretty much i haven't had any actually in the past five years good Can't job remember. congratulations Charlotte. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, so I think that's one thing that's different is my knowledge of um, dance from a Western perspective. These things are clearly articulated where they're not so much in Katak, um, especially in the in the old school way, days. Um, you know, and the and the physics of chuckers, the physics of how to turn these kinds of things. Since I understand it, um, I can articulate a lot of things that my Guruji wouldn't necessarily articulate about about turns, about how to how to you know achieve sharper, faster turns, about quick changes of weight. Um, you know, these kinds of things that were never articulated before. Mm. So in that sense, I'd say it's different. But in in most senses, it's it's very similar. It's it's very similar, um, and you know, uh, people uh, at times have changed. Uh, mm -hmm. Kids have changed. You know, so yep. you have to you have to meet them where they are. You have yeah. to respond to to how they are now. So mm. I think there's probably a lot of things I don't even think about that I'm doing that he probably wouldn't have done, or or I hope not disapprove of, but. <laughs> um yeah so Shariji, i guess what you said is kind of in line with like uh, a t uh like uh, the next generation of teachers in general in the sense where um the, i've had other guests as well where they would say like the maybe the guru wouldn't expect the nuances uh, explain the nuances of it but then the next teacher kind of picked up on how to use those nuances and kind of figure out instead of just saying oh just go and practice this you kind of give them like practice it using this nuance and that makes it more efficient and that kind of helps all the giant generations build up. So we're actually almost at the end of it. So uh, Shalati, I guess for you, final question for you, Shalati, I guess for you, for the, for your institute, for your, um, uh, when you kind of prepare your students or when you kind of get students, what, what do you usually prepare them for? What are, you, what are the challenges they're going to face and how do you hope to be part of their lives that way? Um, so at, uh, at CDI, we have, um, we have eight teachers. And we have every level. We have from intro, intro to Katak to um, beginning one to beginning two, intermediate one, intermediate two to advanced. And then we also have the uh, Chitrastas Youth Company track. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, the thing about so uh, when students come at the intro level, they're they're given, you know. Um, a handbook of things that they are going to learn of, you know, of bowls of, of just uh, vocabulary, certain things that they're going to do exercises, good she developed some um, uh, pretty extensive exercises for developing um, developing particular ways of moving and traditional ways of movement moving and uh, developing bowls. And he also did uh, these exercises are they have a lot of like Gardi. They're in different speeds. They're in daddy speeds, but at speeds. And um, so there's a lot of uh, and, and his pedagogy is I, I think it's kind of brilliant because mm. he has dancers from day one 
recite the teka, or at least if they can't recite the teka, maybe they don't know yet. So they're reciting the numbers. One, two, they're counting 16 while at the mm. same time doing tatkar. So they see immediately how it fits in thal. So from mm. day one, they know they're learning thal, they're learning parhant, they're learning uh, movements, they're learning the vocabulary, they're learning mm. karans, they're learning, uh, they're learning bowl, they're learning composition, they're learning apinaya. Um, so he's developed um, from at a beginning level, a complete gut, gut bow of uh, Kaliya Daman that goes from the whole range of the Tao from Bilambet to Madhya to Drutalaya. And the dancer is singing and reciting the whole time they're dancing. Mm -hmm. So this this not only is like builds a tremendous amount of stamina and strength in the body, as well as the the way of that we move in Katak, but it also is building knowledge of Tal and mm. knowledge of a bowl and all these things. But huh, these are very important parts, right? Mm. So the students, they, they know when they come into the class what they're going to be um, learning and working on. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay. And yeah, that was kind of my last question, Charlotte. I guess, uh, yeah, time just loops. We covered a lot of ground here. Yeah, I feel like we just got started. Yeah. <laughs> this has been wonderful. It's been wonderful talking with you. Yeah. I wish you could come see the show next month. Uh, if I don't come see it, I'll watch it for sure. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for coming on, Charlotte. My pleasure. My pleasure.